Well, babe, we did it. We wrote a book. Yeah, man, it's it's actually surreal to even think about uh, that we wrote a book, had a baby, got married, not necessarily in that order. <laughs> <laughs> but the book is now available yeah. for pre-order, and we're so excited to share it with you. Oh, so looking forward to getting this book into your hands, to be in dialogue and conversation with all of you as we continue to liberate love from old imprints and codependent dynamics that keep us small, stuck, and stagnant. Yeah, you know, no matter your relationship status, this book walks you through what shaped you, why do you do what you do in relationship. It dives deep into your relationship blueprint, attachment styles, and most importantly, which is different than every other book that's ever covered codependency in the past, we explore the role of the nervous system in that. And the book is called Liberated Love. Yeah. Release your codependent patterns and create the love you desire. Go to createthelove.com slash liberated love to order your copy now. That's createthelove.com slash liberated love and get that pre-order in and you'll be able to get a free download of a meditation we created and a workbook that goes along with it. Much love and appreciation for your support. Much love. Thank you. Every relationship has ruptures and it's a natural part of life. And ruptures are actually how we create deeper intimacy. Essential. It's necessary. Yeah. But for many of us, it meant I am going to be in danger. When someone's avoidant, That is not somebody who doesn't care or doesn't deeply want connection. You cannot bypass the human need for connection. But this is the result of having caregivers whom were never there or not available. Less than 30% of the time were they available. And actually with avoidancy, it's even less than that. Maybe 10% of the time. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Mark Groves Podcast. Today I have... Try it's your third. Third. I was gonna say trifecta. I'm not sure if that's the right word, but your third time. Your three Pete. Uh, welcome back, Sarah Baldwin. Thanks for having me. I'm really glad to be here. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to have you here. You are the official title holder of the most popular episode out of all of them. So for you listening, if you haven't listened to the previous two episodes I've done with Sarah, they're mandatory. I would say for good relational awareness. And, you know, you're like, yeah, probably. You don't have to say that. I get to say that. (laughs) It's number one for a reason, though, because Mm. that the first one we ever did was on how the nervous system works. Yeah. And then the second one we did, which I think was actually like a month later, right? Mm -hmm. Because I was like. Yeah, it was pretty quick. Yeah, because I was like, hey, I got to get you back on and talk about the overlap of attachment styles and the attachment system and the nervous system, how they're not separate. At all. Right. Can't be approached separately in order to actually shift our attachment because the vehicle responsible for how we attach is our nervous system. So if you don't know the vehicle for how you're <laughs> attaching, you're re- you're reading the book Attached, but you have no idea about the system that's actually responsible for the behaviors and experience of how you're relating to other human beings. So I don't think you can actually address it without, not only do I not think, you can't address it without understanding the nervous system properly. Well, is there even a such thing as a healthy individual or a and or a healthy relationship without a healthy nervous system? No. I mean, if you, well, I guess I'll say it this way. Uh, 
the idea of healthy, you know, when I when I think of that, because I don't want anyone listening to say like, oh, holy crap, does that mean I they can't have... They just called me unhealthy. <laughs> yeah, I can't yeah. have a successful relationship. But <clears throat> I think what's important to understand, and, and a third component that maybe we could do another time is bringing our parts into all of this, meaning the different parts of ourselves. Uh, and our younger parts are the parts that show up the most in our romantic partnerships. So essentially, I guess what I'm trying to say that means is if our young parts are showing up in relational dynamics, and if they didn't get what they needed in our earliest childhood experiences, meaning they didn't get the attunement, connection, safety um, that they needed at the time in our child and when we were developing, then what transpires is those young parts are still looking for that in our romantic partnerships. Mm -hmm. So if we don't come to the aid of our younger parts and address our nervous system, then our parts are going to look for that survival or look for the rescuing in people and experiences and our work around us. And what ends up happening is we are choosing uh, relational connection out of survival instead of choice. Mm. And that means that the people that I'm bringing into my life might not actually be what adult me wants or desires, <laughs> but instead Hand my- Hand up for anyone who's done that. Yeah, but know. our parts are saying, well, if I have to choose between getting all my needs met and having somebody who sees me, knows me, and understands me and, you know, all of those things, or surviving because I'm, for all intents and purposes, eight years old, let's right. say. My parts. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, well- I'm eight years old. What am I going to do on my own at eight years old? Like I can't survive. So I would much rather be with this person who can create relative safety for me than be all alone, which is why so much of the time you have like probably folks listening have had people say to them, you're so much better than them. Why don't you just leave? You need like, just go. I'll help you. I'll help you go. <laughs> yeah. I'll do I'll anything, anything to get yeah. you go to go. And then we feel a lot of shame about why can't I leave this experience? Mm -hmm. And the reason that we can't leave is because the young parts are saying, uh, we become identified with these younger parts and, and for them, it's like being five, eight, 10, three uh, in the world all by themselves. And so they would never choose that. They would That's always choose survival. So you, we stay in these things. Of course, the unfamiliar yeah. is leaving that and stepping into a new pattern, which is going to destabilize us because it, that's the way we source safety, security, predictability, familiarity. Mm -hmm. And if I get what you're saying, it's like, yes. And so we could say, well, leap into the unknown, step into that courageous moment. You know, everyone's capable of 10 seconds of unbridled courage and that's all it takes to change your life but if you put it in the context that the person we're actually asking to do that is three that's right that i mean gives us a lot more compassion because you know it's i think about when someone is working on their boundaries mm -hmm. and they're like man I, I can't say no like i just have i know it's just i can't make dinner tonight that's not terrifying to know i need to say that but for some reason, I just can't say it. And then I'll, you know, I'll put into context for them. Like, imagine if up your matrilineal or patrilineal line, the last time a boundary was expressed, it was like they died. They were murdered. They were, That's you right. know. And so like you saying that or when you were a kid, you had a boundary, whatever that was, that it led to pain, suffering, loss, betrayal, abandonment. And then now you're like, I don't know why I just can't say no to dinner. And it's like, 
It's so much bigger. It's so much bigger. So this system, the autonomic nervous system, and for any... Yeah, let's give a quick... uh, Yeah. So the autonomic nervous system, I call it our self-protective system. It lives in our bodies. That means it's subcortical. And it's evolved over the last 500 million years. So this is not new. It's perhaps the strongest... It's like Yoda. uh, Yeah, it's the strongest system on the planet. It is, uh, every mammal has it, and its entire job is to keep us safe and alive at all costs. It's so profound how this system works. So for anybody who's felt like you're weak, you're broken, you're unfixable, I hope in this brief explanation, and then go listen to the other episode, it helps you (laughs) see how that is so unequivocally not true. So because this system, there's many parts of the system. The the first or maybe most important part is called neuroception, uh, coined by a scientist named Stephen Porges. He's the theorist behind polyvagal theory. And this this threat detector is a threat detector. It lives in our brainstem. Every millisecond of our entire lives, which is very fast, everybody, a millisecond, it's looking out into the world and looking inside of us and it's to see if we're safe. So it's doing this. Is that safe, dangerous, or life-threatening? Is that safe, dangerous, or life-threatening? Is that safe, dangerous, or life-threatening? Every single millisecond. So since the moment we took- It's a lot of data. And think about how hard that's working, that system. It's doing that as folks are listening to our voices right now, as if you're driving in your car right now, whatever you're doing, it's doing that. It even picks up on subtle cues like how someone tilts their head or how fast they're blinking, the prosody of their voice picks up on everything. So anyway, the way that it decides if we are safe or not, is by looking to kind of like a computer system or an internal database of all of our lived experience, the good things, the bad things, and the life-threatening things, including, as you alluded to, our ancestors' experience. So everything's inside of this database. And so as we're going out into the world, it is quickly in that fast, a millisecond, seeing something like, let's say, I don't know, I'm looking out at this mountain outside the window, And my threat detector looks at the mountain and says, mountains are nice. Why? Because it looked to the database and I grew up in uh, the mountains. My home wasn't safe, but the mountains were safe. So if I look at that Mm. mountain, it looks to the database in a millisecond and it communicates to the rest of the nervous system, the coast is clear, Sarah's safe. So as the result of it deciding we're safe, we get to experience, this is the, I think, one of the predominant reasons for the unhappiness in our lives, in the world, the problems is because we aren't spending enough time in this state in our nervous system called our ventral vagal complex. It's really what we're all wanting because when we're in this place, we experience things like flow, peace, creativity, ease, connections, because we're safe. We can take risks. We can be vulnerable. We can use our voice. We can be seen. We flow down the river of life with ease. And that's really what we're all wanting more of. So this nervous system has the ability to bring us into this place when it thinks we're safe. Mm. But the trouble that most of us are getting into (laughs) is we've got a lot of stuff in that database that says, I don't know about this life thing. We've got a lot of information about people not being safe, women not being safe, men not being safe, uh, confrontation not being safe, using your voice not being safe, taking up space not being safe. You get it. A lot of information from our past experiences in our lives if those things haven't been healed yet. And so what transpires is when it's I don't know, let's give a a relational dynamic. It's looking out into our relationships. And so what the threat detector is looking for is not exact, you know, same experiences, similarities. Like I'm looking at Los Angeles mountains. Those aren't New Hampshire mountains, but they're mountains. (laughs) 
So with relationships and everybody who is in romantic partnerships could be a work relationship, what it looks to as it's looking out and saying, oh, this relational dynamic that you're in, this romantic partnership, let's say, it looks to the database and it says, what intel do we have on relationships? And the place that it's always going to look first is your earliest childhood experience. That lays the blueprint for everything. So it says, what intel do we have on love and connection? Now, let's say, I don't know, let's say somebody was neglected and maybe even had good enough parents who were working all the time. So they emotionally neglected you, or maybe they weren't in touch with their own emotions. So they just said, stop crying when you were crying or they were, you know, abusive, dangerous, et cetera. So my system says, oh, love means not being chosen. Love means being neglected. Love means you have to be good, maybe in order to receive love. You got to be funny. You have to achieve and, you know, fill in the blank. So my system says, that's what I've got until I've got on love. So as we are out in the world looking for love, guess what it references? <laughs> it references yeah. that database, which is why we may find ourselves. I'm sure there's listeners like me. I spent from 14 to 25. I picked every partner I picked had a significant other. I know it sounds weird at 14, but uh, uh, they were dating someone else, sometimes even married that I didn't know about Wow! every time. That's crazy that the system can See, pick this up is on what, subconscious cues. So right. I could pick up on everything. And I said, oh, that's love. And I'm so attracted to you. And, and because our systems like what they know. So it says, not only is that something I know, but the second reason is because maybe I can make the past different in the present and heal the past through the, the present experience. If I could that. just get them to stay, which is really, really wild how this system works. Painful. Painful, yes. Till it's not. Until it's not. Interesting yeah. though that because you know when someone says oh, I keep attracting people in relationships, yeah, for example, right? Yeah, and they're like, it's not me. <laughs> but what's really fascinating, <laughs> well, right, is that the the unconscious is so brilliant; it's taking right. in so many cues, so many that it can even figure out that someone has a partner you don't consciously know about. That's right. Which is not wild. I know that when you actually like break, you know, if we had a, at the time, a Sony Handicam following, mm, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. around or whatever they were called, <laughs> yep. we would probably hear language yeah, from them and, of course. and, and subtle lies or misrepresentations, yeah. whatever it is. But that's only through the gift of hindsight. That's right. Right. When when you're looking for it. That's but when right. you're in it and you're used to just like missing red flags, uh, coding deception in a different way, mm -hmm. um, allowing space for uh, f quote unquote forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And I just love all out. And so <laughs> yeah, I believe yeah, yeah. in the best in everybody. Yeah. You're the little kid in us is like, fuck that. Stop yeah. believing in the best in everybody. Do yeah. you believe in me? That's you know? Right. And it's so it's interesting to actually see how brilliant our survival that coding is That's of right. the, what you said, the early childhood. That's right. And like left under unattended to, it will look as if it is just luck mm -hmm. and just fate. That's right. And I, I think from like a spiritual Mm -hmm. developmental opportunity perspective. Mm -hmm. It's like it really is fate in that 
unless you're exposed to the thing enough times to derive enough courage to do it differently or uh, a lack of tolerance to keep it the same, maybe those are actually the same thing. It's like, uh, that's what allows us to finally say no more. Mm -hmm. Yes. And there's a secondary component that I think is so important for people listening that is really empowering for anyone saying like, oh, well, holy shit, I've been in that dynamic for a really long time too. But that fit my dynamic because I was abandoned by my biological father and then my stepfather was sexually abusive. So that fit, fit perfect. All of the people fit. Now, the beautiful thing is we can change what's in the database. And we do that through something called disconfirming experiences. That means experiences where what was once dangerous is now safe. And that's Mm. what you're talking about externally. But the beautiful thing is, and this is why this isn't an episode on parts, but, but when we can actually become the parent internally to the young parts of ourselves and give them what they never got somatically, cannot do this cognitively. Uh, when we can do that, what transpires is we actually imprint a new childhood experience in our psyche. That means that our system, for all intensive pur- purposes, has created a new rewired, sh- rewired, created a new internal secure attachment. So, but this all has to be done on the nervous system level. So, this is what why I, nervous system work. It's so it's important. Like, Psychological therapeutic spoken work yeah. is incomplete. It's totally incomplete. So the thing is, so the way that I like to this. look, about, I'm so glad I'm you excited, are because okay? it's nice to have somebody woo. that's on my team. Let's nerd it, it out. Exciting. Everybody nerd it out. Nerd it this out. Is- Something that's very important for folks to begin understanding is what does it feel like autonomically? That simply means in our nervous system, when in our bodies, when adult us is present. Typically, what we're going to feel is capable, able, grounded. Uh, Hard things happen, but we know that we're going to manage them. There's an ease to life. We're flowing down the river of life. But we we need to get in touch with the sensations, the feelings. What does it actually feel like? And that's called an autonomic tome. So that's the shaping of my nervous system. So this is kind of crazy. I think it's crazy what I'm about to say. Our parts have different autonomic tones. So the different let's say, expressions, wounds, survival strategies. And versions of self, yes. So let's say the threat, so I'm an adult me right now. I'm feeling capable, able. I feel like a woman. I feel um, like things could go wrong and that would be, oh, this interview could be terrible, but that's okay if that happened. Not possible. Okay. Not possible. You hold the number one spot, (laughs) my friend. You're the GOAT. Thank you. It's a lot of pressure. Hope you guys like this. (laughs) So then the threat detector looks out into the world and let's say, there's a confrontation and maybe it's a work confrontation or with a partner or friend. And my threat detector says, Ooh, what do I have in confrontation? Looks to the database inside the database. It says, if you used your voice, something very bad would happen. You'd be Mm. shamed. You'd be told you were bad. Maybe you'd be physically harmed. Um, Love was withheld and so on and so forth. That means confrontation is dangerous. And the threat detector says, which thing does it remind us the most of? And let's say that time when you were 10 years old and the teacher belittled you in front of the class. I don't know, just pulling something out. In that moment, I have now literally traveled time. Time is absolutely not linear. The more I do trauma work, the more apparent that is. So I am no longer Sarah in 2023. I am 10 years old back in that classroom and my nervous system the autonomic tone or what I'm experiencing in my nervous system is the same thing I experienced when so I was 10. So it'll shape. It'll shape that to way. To that moment. That's right. 
to the automated. That's right. And then the automated system comes on and now I'm back there, which is why I know there's probably a lot of people listening where, I don't know, you feel regulated like yourself. And then you get into this social situation and you're fawning and you're like agreeing with someone about a movie that you never watched and saying how much you love them. You're like, I love that movie. I love that movie. Oh, you went vacation there. I love it there. And you hate the place and you've never watched the movie. And you're later like, why did I do that? Well, that wasn't adult you. That was a part of you. And your nervous system took over and it said, what did we need to do at that age when that first transpired where it wasn't safe to be ourselves? Do the same thing now. And then that part of that tone of your nervous system becomes present. So in order, what we can actually do is, first we have to understand the difference between adult us, what it feels like in our nervous system when these parts show up. And what I guide people through a process of is something I call internal co-regulation. So co-regulation is the experience of two nervous systems can actually help each other regulate or dysregulate via something called mirror neurons. So if somebody Mm -hmm. feels good, this is why you listen to someone that maybe is regulated and all of a sudden you feel a little better. That's Mm -hmm. the mirror neuron thing. So what we can do for ourselves is when a young part is present, I can get adult me present. So both autonomic tones are present at the same time. Cool. And then I come to the aid and comfort and attune autonomically with the younger part and bring them into regulation. And I am actually changing that young part's autonomic tone. So you're like giving them the thing they needed at that age, but you're really giving yourself the thing you needed. That's right. Isn't this kind of mind blowing a little? Well, I don't know if it is for you. It is for me. It's matrixy. That's right. So when we do that, Mm. that gets imprinted as a new safe experience. So now that experience in the classroom, let's say. That's right. And like adult you comes in. Yeah. Slaps the teacher for making fun of you. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. Don't encourage violence. But it's the dream version of the thing. But they come in and say, it's okay. You can go to the bathroom or like, what would it look like? It would look, okay. Let's, let me give an example. Let's say, don't slap. Should we go in that? Okay. It looks like this. (laughs) I might not be able to come into the classroom. I mean, we could go that route, but I think what's more important here is let's say right after the class, I'm feeling into what the young part felt. Oh, the shame, the embarrassment. The shame, the embarrassment. Perhaps they're going into something called their dorsal state of shutdown, uh, overwhelm. What this looks like is adult me feeling into that. And uh, what attunement is, a lot of people don't understand what attunement is. They think it's repeating words back to somebody like, oh, I'm hearing you. Attunement is actually about what's happening in your nervous system. So a simple example so folks can understand. Imagine if I was talking to somebody who was, imagine like, Mark, you're like, you were depressed and you're feeling down. And I was like, wow, that sounds a lot, like a lot for you that you're depressed. Do you want to go for a hike? You Like anyone listening, you could feel that misattunement there. That doesn't right. match the experience. But if, so in the example of me coming out of the classroom, and I'm in that shutdown state and I'm feeling like I'm bad and there's something wrong with me, that I'm already doing it, if you can hear in my voice. I'm beginning to slow down and match. I'm dipping my toe into that state of dysregulation. I'm not becoming overwhelmed by it, but I'm slowing to meet them where they are. Mm. And that is what attunement is actually really about. You can hear it. So are you empathically, like if I was doing this in real time with a person, not myself, am I through the skills of empathic resonance, I guess, I'm going into my database of where shame might live. Mm. I'm then mirroring, Mm -hmm. but not fully. I'm like 
sending a, a life raft to you, but like meeting you at the edges of the energetic or the nervous system disassociation or dysregulation. And yeah. then where do I go? Yes. A picture to paint that might be easier, easy for people is I like to think of it like my job is to, and this is all of our jobs in relationship is to hold a rope to regulation. That's called ventral. So I'm like, I'm in regulation. I've got a rope to it. And now I'm going to dip to where you are. But if I let go of the rope, now we're both dysregulated. <laughs> yeah. Nobody can help. Not We've good. We've all been there. That sucks. Yeah. When you're in a relational dynamic and nope, nope, we can't fix it from that place. No. But my job is to hold the rope. And, and this is where, you know, I need to be, we have to be differentiated because if I just join somebody in their sorrow, I can't help them. But instead I hold the rope and I'm dipping into that feeling with you. I'm feeling that too, my own understanding of that feeling, mm -hmm. or not just the feeling, the sensation where you are in your system. And But I've got the rope. So that means that my feeling into it shows your nervous system, hey, you're not alone. And, and I understand. And now I've got this rope. Let me help guide you and your nervous system to grab your own rope so we mm. can both be pulled back into regulation. That's what attunement is. It's like if I saw a kid in a, I mean, I hate that I see a lot of misattunement with children all over the place, but if I saw a kid in a grocery store that was dysregulated, what doesn't help is a parent who gets dysregulated, gets angry about the child crying, and then tells them to stop crying. That does not create regulation. It creates fear, which makes the child shut down. And we're calling that good behavior. But really, that's them going into deeper place of dysregulation. It's like the crying it out. But they're method. just disassociating. Yeah, they're just dissociating. So, but crying what I would do, method. right? Oh, that's talk what about it is. That after. It's that's so bullshit. terrible. But anyway, what I would do is I'd get down on that child's level and I'd begin, I'd have the rope, but I'd get down on their level. I wouldn't tell them stop feeling this. I also wouldn't say, because in, in my world, I, I guess it's become kind of like trendy. So people are like, tools to regulate. But they're jumping to regulate without the attunement. So if, imagine I got down on the ground with an eight-year-old who was distressed and I said, okay, hey, there's a lot of things I saw on Instagram you can do to regulate your nervous system. Want to do them right now? Let's do this breathwork thing. <laughs> Jump in a cold plunge. The child's like, I'm just, I'm feeling <laughs> Let sad. Let me dip you in 40 degrees Fahrenheit <laughs> yeah, while you're upset. I feel upset. That's not what I need. I need you to not, and this is what we need to do for ourselves, not try to make it go away, but create space for it in this attuned way that I'm talking. Like I get down on their level. I would send them my autonomic resonance of regulation by just by my presence. And I would- You're calm. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And I would listen and hold space and tap in again to what they're feeling. And then what would eventually happen is their nervous system would be ushered out of dysregulation. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. The holidays are a coming and the weather is getting colder and cloudier in a lot of parts of the world. And although this time of year can have so many positive associations, it can also be a time of a lot of stress and anxiety. Sometimes we need extra support and we need to talk to someone who has a fresh and objective point of view who can help support us through the tougher moments. Therapy can be a great anchor amidst times of change, something that we can look forward to to help us feel grounded and give us the tools to manage all the things that we have going on. For me, therapy and coaching have been a great resource to learn positive coping skills, to have someone to listen to when I need an ear, and to help support and hold me accountable to becoming the best version of myself. A good therapist or coach has often been exactly what I've needed to get through whatever I'm going through and up-level myself and my life. If you're considering starting therapy, 
Give BetterHelp a try. Everything is done virtually, and it's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. So just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional cost. Find a bright spot this season with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Groves to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Groves. When I'm working with folks, I want I, I have people ask themselves every single time they're noticing dysregulation, how old do I feel right now? Not asking your thinking brain, but ask your nervous system. Whatever number comes to you right is right. Or small, maybe I feel, I don't know, under five, little. That's the nervous system you're working with. And if you mm. try to just do something to regulate when an eight-year-old part is present, let's say, like, oh, I heard this breath cycle is really helpful, or I heard tapping is really helpful, or whatever. I'm going to go for a walk. It's like a distressed eight-year-old is taking a piece of paper and they're like, I heard that someone told me tapping is really good when you're to feel <laughs> regulated. And this is why when people try to do that, when parts are present, it doesn't, it's not that effectful yeah. because what they really need is an embodied adult. So what I work on is how do I get adult me present fast? And the more that a simple exercise folks can do, and this will help them in dating everywhere in their life is something called sifting. It's just an acronym that stands for sensation, image, feeling, and thought. And that it, that's an acronym from Dan Siegel's work, and Deb Danny uses this too. Um, but essentially, that's what an embodied experience is. A fully marinated experience is sifted. So it's got sensations attached to it, feelings, thoughts, images that we see, we have the ability to see. And we're really good at bringing past experiences to life that are negative. Like, could say somebody, someone's listening your ex's name and like, you know, Daryl, all of a sudden you're like, oh, Daryl, I feel all the things. The one person whose <laughs> ex's name is Daryl is like, so I, 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 right? that one person, I want them to feel like I was talking to them. I am. Right. Right. The invitation yeah. of the trigger. That's right. So we can do the same for positive ex past experiences. So if we can create a, a really powerful neural pathway for a past positive experience, maybe one or two, where you felt capable and able like your adult self could be a spiritual moment, a moment in nature, a moment as a parent, a moment in flow, bring it to life using all of your sensations again and again and again and again. The more you do it, the easier it is to bring online. So all of a sudden I'm in a, I'm about to go on a blind date and I'm feeling like I'm a panic attack and this young part showing up and I'm like, I can't do this. If I can just remember this experience, I have one where I was watching a sea turtle in Hawaii in the mm. ocean, and I've gone to it like 10,000 times. I could bring it alive fast. And then all of a sudden, that adult self begins to become present in my nervous system. So anyway, the more that we can do this, get our adult self present when young parts are present and comfort them and attune to them in a way they never got, we actually create an internal secure attachment. The result of the, and what wow. that means is I am now meeting my own needs. I am now seeing myself the way no one saw me. I am able to take up space the way that I was never able to before. I can be vulnerable. Wow. And now my blueprint for what I search for in the world changes. So no longer when the, the, the threat detector is looking out into the world and saying, all right, a mate, what do we need? What do we have in a mate? It's no longer looking to that abusive childhood or that neglect. That's it's cool. looking to what you gave it, which is why all of a sudden so you you're like- for yourself. That's right. The ideal partnership. That's right. And you've imprinted it enough that your system says, no, this is the childhood that I had. And- Oh, interesting. So you've re even repatterned that's right. the memory. 
That's Because right. the database is different. The database has changed now. So now, now. you have, a, what, what did you call it? A confirming? A disconfirming. Uh, disconfirming experiences. Disconfirming. And now all of a sudden, you know, there's probably a lot of people listening. They're like, I don't know. I just only find the guy that's never available. He's so sexy and hot. And then the guy that's available, he's not really that yeah, attractive yeah. and whatever. What will happen is you'll actually start feeling that way about the person who is present Who's reliable. and available and reliable uh, because that's what you've given yourself. And that's what your system. Because the, the coding, the memory the coding's is different. changed. That's so cool. So cool. Like so cool that we can do it on our own. And that's that pivot between, I think it's interesting because it can be, you know, it's like what comes first, the chicken or the yeah. egg. I love that through the intentional act of what you're saying, mm -hmm. I can then change the, the neural circuits, yeah. the, the nervous system, all that stuff. And I'm also interested that if you don't know all that stuff, which if you're listening or watching, you do now, but if you don't and you just make a decision to no longer pursue someone or to say no to something or to take a deep breath and think about something, you know, that feels grounding, maybe that's the mm -hmm. word we'd use, that you're doing the same thing. Yes. But yes. You could do it so much faster if you do it this other way, you know, which yeah. makes, it makes sense. Mm -hmm. And yeah, because so many of us, true for me too, you know, you're in a dialogue with a partner and then you're triggered, which usually leads them to be triggered. And then you end up not ever really being able to make it past a certain level of uh, dialogue or challenge. That's right. And like now you're bringing more parts of you online. Yeah, because you're right. You know, you sort of time travel back to and your reactivity, your defensiveness, yeah. your shutting down, your criticism, the four horsemen, they're really all just autonomic processes of how you observed conflict and now you have as memories. So you're eight and you feel eight. That's right. But you're 42 That's and right. incapable of navigating conflict. That's exactly yeah. right. It's. I wish I was talking to a group I uh, run this morning about this particular thing about rupture or uh, argument in our relational dynamics in our adult our, our adulthood and when that transpires it's how our, it's all our nervous system is doing all of this so if the threat detector looks like let's say i'm going to talk to my partner i have something important to tell them today i'm excited i say hey when you get home can i talk to you about that thing I'm, i want to tell you about it i'm so excited and they say great and i have let's say uh, parents who neglected me caregivers who neglected me or i couldn't take up a lot of space so it feels pretty courageous to even say this and then let's say I had a partner whom they had to be in survival a lot to um, mobilize to feel safe. So they're really preoccupied sometimes maybe with their work. They come home, and they, but they're wonderful. They're nothing like my caregiver. They're not neglectful. They come home. I'm about to tell them what happened. Their phone vibrates. And they look down <laughs> at their phone, and they just look a little too long at that email <laughs> inbox thing. Guess what happened in the millisecond? My threat detector says, what do we have on that? They disengaged while I'm talking about something vulnerable database. Oh, your mother who neglected you, who was never there and you came home from school uh, with your projects and there was no one ever to see you or to ask you about it. And everybody else has parents who did. And all of a sudden I'm 10 and I'm re-experiencing what I experienced with my mother. And guess what my nervous system does? It says, what did we need to do then to be safe? We're going to do the same thing now. 
maybe, well, for me, it was, I'm never steel wall. I'm never letting anyone close to me again. And I'm like, never mind. I don't want to tell you. I, I don't want to tell you anything in the rest of my life. Actually, I don't need you. I don't need your help. It's fine. Now, as I do that, guess what's happening for my partner? Their threat detector is saying, Ooh, what does that remind me of? They look to their data- database. They're hypercritical parents who now I'm not the hypercritical parent, but as a flavoring. So all of a sudden, a they are experiencing that as if it was their parent who they could never get it right. They never, everything was always wrong. It was oh, never wow. enough. And so in that moment, now they are, I don't know, let's say six years old, re-experiencing that. And maybe it wasn't safe to get angry back then, but now I have relational safety so I can get angry. And so I say something like, it's never enough for you. I can never get anything right. I'm so sick and tired of this. Like, I just want to feel like I'm enough. And what we both don't know what's happening is the adults are gone. It's two children talking to our parents who aren't actually in the room such with fun. swords out. And the more that we try to talk, our prefrontal cortex or our thinking brain stops working because this is the way our nervous Left system the works. Building. Yeah. So we can't hear each other, which is why when we're in an argument, we're like, you're not hearing me. And they're like, you're not hearing me. We're not hearing each other. Yeah. And we spiral <laughs> into this place of non-resolution. And so the most important thing is taking into account our nervous system. So knowing what happens to me and my nervous system when a fight happens, an argument happens. Like having the data. Yeah, like for some of us, we want to go fix it. Like we have to come back into connection now. Let's fix this. Some of us, and that's our sympathetic nervous system. Some of us shut down. Like I can't talk about this. I need, like I just go blank. I feel like I need to get in the car and drive for four days and maybe come back later. <laughs> or not. Or not come back at all. <laughs> this is all our nervous system saying that's what I had to do in the past to be safe. And so we're both doing that in the in the relational dynamic. And the more I can know, oh, what do I do? What do you do? But maybe saying, what do you think you do? Rather than, hey, I know what you do. (laughs) Then when we're in the argument, having an agreement, when we're just like, am I in ventral right now? Are you in ventral? If we're not regulated, we have to pause or we're going to have a shitty night because this is going to get worse. So let's pause and both regulate. And then we come back and talk about it when adult us is here versus young us trying to protect themselves from an unsafe situation which never actually lends us to having the resolution that we want in our adult relationship or in our childhood. But if mm. I can go regulate, and then I think about it like we're the adult us is the advocate for our younger part. So I go regulate and I figure out, oh, that really activated this like young part that was neglected. And that reminded me of, yeah, my school project thing. And like no one was there and I was all alone. So I can go tell my partner, hey, when this happened, I noticed that I felt this deep, like pain. And it reminded me of when I was a kid and I was neglected and you're not doing that, but it brings that up for me. Mm -hmm. So I think what would help in the future is if we could have a situation where we have just no phones around when we're talking about important stuff. Could we do that? So good choice. Yeah. Good. It's always a good choice. But the point is I am bringing not only conflict resolution to the present, I'm healing the past through Uh. it. Which is how you're asking for a need to get met. It's getting met. Yeah. Ideally. Which these young parts do. So that's changing the story. That's right. The other person might be meeting the need and being compassionate and slowing down and engaging. So that's healing. Totally. Yeah. It's when I think about someone who's maybe more prone to anxiousness or or the need to fix, the desire for both of you to agree to take a moment to regulate, Mm -hmm. I would imagine would be disconcerting but also healing yes. because you're still safe. No one's going anywhere, but it's not fixed yet, you know, which is kind of, 
it's like you get to linger in. I remember in that episode we did on attachment system mm -hmm. systems and the nervous system, you said that anxiously attached people, their challenges to self-regulate mm -hmm. and avoidantly attached people, the challenges to co-regulate. That's right. And so I think like to say, hey, we need to take a second is inviting growth for the anxiously attached person and for the avoidantly attached person that the stretch is the coming back. That's right. Right? Like, because, you know, you were saying, I might want to get my car and drive for four days or, or forever. And what I find interesting when someone who is healing that need for space, mm -hmm. that they have to be the one who reinitiates yeah. the comeback. That's right. And do it in a time that's actually reasonable, not... You know, I think the rule the Gottmans have is 24 hours. Yeah. Like you can't take longer than 24 hours. Yeah. But when you come back, you're healing the other person's fear of being left. That's right. So this trust cycle starts to occur. And then between you and other, there's this like, we always know we're going to repair. That's right. Which man, like it's so powerful and you don't need, you know, it doesn't need to happen in a romantic relationship that can be modeled with really healthy friends. Mm -hmm. It can be modeled with a therapist. Absolutely. You know? And even in a work environment, it can be modeled That's anywhere. True. It can be modeled with a teacher in a school. I mean, I wish every teacher was modeling that because because every relationship be has ruptures yeah. and it's a natural part of life. And ruptures are actually how we create deeper intimacy. Essential. It's, it's necessary. Yeah. But Trust, for many of us, intimacy. it meant I am going to be in danger. Mm -hmm. And so we avoid them. You know, we avoid ruptures or disconnection like the plague as much as we can in different ways and something that i know we talked about before i just want to name is there can be a lot of negativity i suppose or or you know that people when they think of an avoidant attachment uh just because you are naming the our yeah. pull away the poor avoidance i know they are thrown to get the a dogs. really bad rap they are thrown to the dogs. Anxiety, yeah. anxiously attached people just love all out. I know. They're they're the victims of this yeah. experience. And I think just <laughs> what's important to name about that as uh, also to advocate, I am a fellow or a former avoidant person, is that when someone's avoidant, that is not somebody who doesn't care or doesn't deeply want connection. You cannot bypass the human need, because it's a primary human need for connection. But this is the result of, having caregivers whom were never there or not available less than 30% of the time were they available. And actually with avoidancy, it's even less than that, maybe 10% of the time. So not available or they were dangerous. And if you, we don't have as babies the ability to self-regulate. So if no one is ever going to be there to meet my emotional needs, to see me, to know me, the only option in order to survive is to shut down and become an island and learn to disconnect from your needs, learn to disconnect from um, needing others altogether. But every avoidant person is stuck in this, this back and forth of the primal need for connection, the deep longing that is on a cellular level for us. We mm -hmm. cannot get around. I deeply desire that with my nervous system pushing it away. So this isn't mm. to let people off the hook for everyone listening. They're like, yeah, but what about this person that just disappeared on me over and over again in the patterning? It's not to condone any of that uh, behavior. But what I think is important is to have an understanding of what's actually happening in a system that is doing that. And it has nothing to do, has really nothing to do with the other person. It has to do with this, the nervous system that's saying, 
oh wait, we want connection. No, it's not safe. You've gotten too close. And now I have to get rid of the connection. And if we don't understand it, but when we become adults, it's our responsibility to, to do our own healing work, to not, you know, continue to perpetuate um, that, those kinds of behaviors, of course. But, but what's really important to understand in that whole processing of the, I really want this connection. I push away is if we don't understand our nervous system, that is literally the vehicle responsible. I know I said this in the other episodes, but it's so important. Say it. It's responsible for our thoughts, our feelings, our behaviors, our sensations, our perception of ourselves, others in the world around us. Everything we're experiencing is informed by our nervous system. I think of it like lens, like if I had colored lenses, like pink, red, clear, there's only six lenses you can wear, six places in your nervous system you can be. Everyone is wearing one right now, and you didn't even know that. Well, you knew that, Mark, but a lot of people listening (laughs) didn't know that. And that's creating your whole experience. And so if we don't understand our nervous system, which is the vehicle about around how we attach, then the avoidant person, what's occurring is their nervous system is taking over, like on autopilot, the lens goes on of pushing away. It's our dorsal state. And every behavior is going to be a self-protective one. And if we don't get control of this nervous system and understand it, we'll go our entire lives having that happen. Yeah, pushing people away. Yes. You know? And I think the hard part with avoidance is, one, there's not really like a compassionate level of instruction. Yeah. That, you know, it's often coded as narcissism. Yes. Even though they're just, you know, their strategies to maintain sovereignty, their strategies to not take on other people's bullshit Mm -hmm. you know or their feelings or even their legitimate legitimate responsibility for in interacting with emotion Mm -hmm. because i know when i was avoidant i would say i was way more anxious before i became avoidant yeah but it i was might as well pivot and try the other side (laughs) this other one sucks avoidance sounds better (laughs) but at the time i was presenting as highly Mm self-confident i was disinterested in monogamy Mm-hmm. I was seeking uh, one night stands, short term yeah. makeouts on dance floors, you know, yeah, yeah, sweet yeah. loving. And I, I really was consciously not available to relationship like that. Yeah, I was explicit about that. I didn't. I'd never just dated. I'd never just explored. Um, but what I also saw that when I did experience a sort of thrilling connection. Mm-hmm. It was with someone unavailable, like intimately, una- not available for emotional intimacy. Yeah, I wasn't available for emotional intimacy. But when I did finally want to reorient to relationship again, I found myself attracted to unavailable people and running from, if someone was like secure, regulated, mm-hmm ready to actually choose me, love me. Yeah. Oh God. I was like, I could have puked, you know, it was like my stomach would get upset. If they told me they liked me, I'd be like, Oh yes. Because man, I, I wanted connection. Mm -hmm. I knew I wanted relationship like at that point, Mm -hmm. but I just couldn't figure out why I couldn't step towards people who could actively choose me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now having studied that and learned that, but what you said, I really, I think gives such context for people is that, oh, I've gotten too close to you now. I got to push. And that was exactly my experience. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't 
here. No, it's not. It wasn't in the head. It's not. And that's what actually made it hard to heal. That's right. Because I couldn't intellectually understand it because it wasn't understandable because I was like, shit, I'm doing the work. I'm ready. I'm ready to choose somebody. And then all of a sudden someone just out of a relationship's like, hey, I'm ready. And I'm like, sweet. Someone who will get to a certain point and then they're going to peace out. Absolutely. Again, the unconscious recognition of a pattern that mm-hmm. is familiar and safe. That's right. And here I think it's just fate and it is fate, but you know. Completely. And the, and the reason why we can't learn our way into this stuff, like I'm sure a lot of people listening have tried, you, you read about it, you're like, oh, that makes so much sense. I get that. Then you get into the dynamic in life and all the learning goes out the window and you're like, why is this happening? Right, right. Because the system right. that is responsible for all of it is your nervous system and it doesn't understand a verbal language. So I'm not saying we shouldn't learn, but I'm saying we have to speak the language of the nervous system, which is somatics, embodiment, in order to actually make the changes. And the other thing about our nervous system, I just wanted to say regarding what you just n- named is that a lot of people may might not know is that we have to build our capacity or toleration for good in our lives. And that can be kind of confusing at first because like, well, I want this relationship. I want this purpose. I want to start this business. I want whatever community. But all of those good things have an energetic charge to them. And like vulnerability has an energetic charge and being seen does and receiving. And so if our nervous system does Mm. not have experience of that yet, as it comes towards us or doesn't trust, yeah. yeah, it says, which is also not a lot of experience with it because we pushed it away, then what happens is as it comes towards us, it actually overwhelms our nervous system. And so we have to to get it away from us because it's too much. And so every single person living is living a life that our nervous system has the capacity for. So like there was a point where I was living a very small life. Like I had no people in my life, literally no people. Uh, I couldn't let people close, even though they wanted to be like, I would disappear. It was very small. I didn't travel. I didn't do it. You know, this was before I did all my healing work. Um, Folks might have people in your life like that. It's like very, very regimented and small. That shows my nervous system's capacity. And so when somebody's saying like, well, I really want that relationship. I want to be married tomorrow to this per, to a person that I, you know, of my dreams. I want to start that business. Wait, I want to have a TV show, whatever it is, a podcast like Mark's. Well, we can't have that tomorrow. It would be too much for your nervous system. <laughs> so we actually, so wherever we are is exactly where we're meant to be because we don't have the, I don't have the capacity yet to be where I'm going to be in my life in two years. No one does. So my work mm. is to build my capacity cool. every day with a tolerable step towards expanding of that every single day. And those steps are not small. They're what lead to the life that we're going to be living a month from now or a year from now. Uh, And it's the only way towards that. Otherwise, it's like there's an invisible wall with the thing we want on the other side of it. And we just stay stuck on this other side of the invisible wall, desperately wanting that thing. And the only way towards it is expansion of our nervous system's capacity. But in relationship too, same thing. So with someone who is avoidant, runs from love, when they meet someone who's reliable, calls them back, texts yeah. them back, and they're like, oh, God, this person, so predictable. <laughs> you know? uh, how do they begin to sort of thaw out that system yeah. and, and, you know, build up that tolerable, you yeah. know, capacity as you expand it? And because I really think it also is this 
as that gets recoded, you had said this earlier that then what you desire or what you're attracted to because you've changed the data point. That's right. um, now chemistry is actually not unreliability. That's not hot. That's right. You know, like someone posturing or negging, I think they call yeah, it in yeah. the pickup artistry world. That's not hot anymore. That's right. You know, all of a sudden you're like, oh, I, I actually desire someone who desires me. That's right. Good. That's actually a great plan, by the way, if you're planning to have a relationship. That's right. So how might it, like, what are sort of the actionable steps someone avoidant yeah. could take? Uh, two things. I'll give some internal steps and then external with others. The internal step, I would say that one of the most primarily important things is this concept of internal co-regulation that I just named, that we went over before. So really getting clear on what's it like when adult me is present? How do I get that part present more and more? What is it like when these younger parts are present? So I can know the difference and come to their aid. That's, so you can differentiate the somatic right. feeling right. of both. That's right. Okay. We're going to feel small, scared, out of control, all of the, those things when a young part is present. So if I can know the difference and then really think about that like a different part of you, like a it's a child. It's not you. And how would I come to a child's aid? So regulating with them. That's the internal co-regulation. But one component of that, in addition, is like when you, it's a beautiful way of saying it, thawing out, is I need to come back into my internal experience that was so overwhelming I had to leave it. And that means coming back into my connection to my own needs, my own vulnerability. What is it like to know myself more deeply? Mm. A simple thing that folks can do is I want you to think about it like letting myself behind the curtain. Like today, if I could let, we'll then talk about letting other people behind the curtain. But first, if I could let myself behind the curtain, what's true today that might be underneath the surface? Meaning that I haven't let myself tap into. And, and it, a simple thing people can do to get in contact with our truth, our needs, our desires is just go through the categories of your life. Like today in my friendships, how do I feel about them? Do I feel complete in there? Is there a part of me that doesn't? Do I feel uh, frustrated? And what's, what's underneath that frustration? Mm. What's the need? So it's kind of like we're beginning to excavate that which was too much to be with a long time ago. So we're looking at the experiences from a more curious. That's right. Anthro almost like an anthropologist. Exactly like it's an anthropologist. Like, and without judgment, just beginning yeah. to get to know, hmm, I've been working a lot. How do I actually uh, feel about that? Do I like that? I wonder what I'm missing in my life as a result of that. And at first, you, for someone who's avoidant, they probably can't feel it at first, like feeling it in, mm -hmm. in sense. Like in they can't sensation. connect to yeah. that. But just the knowingness first is huge. Like the acknowledging of yeah, the presence right. of it. Cool. That's right. A second step that folks can bring in is where is that in my body? If it could be one place in my body, where would it be? And just see if you can sense, oh, I kind of feel a heaviness in my chest. Perfect. That's it. That's the place it is. Then one more inquiry once you've gotten to the sensory experience, because that's where it, that's where it rooted originally, probably in terms of trauma. Just ask it if it could talk. What would it say? Not you, but that sensation, the heaviness. If the heaviness could talk, now I'm really getting behind the curtain. And what's my truth? What's my embodied experience? That's creating internal intimacy that was not able to mm. to be present because it wasn't safe to be in my body. Now, as I'm doing that with myself, continuing to do those processes. What I want to do in the world is, I call it like being on our island. We want to start by like going to the dock. doesn't mean you're going to go, go like yeah. off the island yet. Just let's not be hiding What's under the coconut like trees. Let's just see if we can be, let 
ourselves be a little exposed on the dock. So this looks like what's a tolerable step I can take towards connection, but my next step is back to the coconut trees. Meaning we actually want to bring ourselves back further on the island because if we don't do that, if I keep trying to push myself or will my way further and further in connection, your nervous system eventually will say like, I don't know what happened to you, but I'm bringing you picking you up in a helicopter and bringing you back to the center of the island and burying you. You got really overzealous here. Yeah, <laughs> I know that was too much. <laughs> so that really simply speaking, what might that look like for some people that might look like, you know, I'm going to go join this. Like there's a writing workshop that feels at the moment you decide to do it. You're probably going to feel excited the day of guess what's going to happen. Your nervous system is going to say, no, don't do that. There's going to be people there. And we're also going to talk about feelings. Don't do that. And then you want to cancel it. You'd rather clean your toilet than go to the thing. You're like bargaining with yourself around <laughs> all the things you could <laughs> yeah, do. Yeah, you're gonna like, I've always hated cleaning toilets, but today <laughs> it's, it's so fun. <laughs> I'm going to deep clean the whole thing. <laughs> so instead, can I tolerate that's you stepping on the dock and your nervous system saying, I don't know about this. So just know that when I say tolerate the step, it's not going to feel good. That's right. what we're wanting. Yeah. That doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. It means your nervous system is expanding. It's starting to see our connection. Changing safe. stories. That's it's, right. Yeah, cool. And then you get home, you're exhausted because that felt like you were hit by a truck. So you did a big expansion. And then the next day, let yourself go back to the island. Or if you're in a romantic relationship, might I today step on the dock? You know, eventually we're going to swim in the water and we're even going to get to the town on the other side. We're going to go to other people's islands. For now, they're on the dock. Can I share a little more than just saying when, when my partner says, how was your day? And I say, oh, it's fine. How was yours? That's a deflecting tool of avoidance. So I don't have to look too much at mine. Let's just look at yours. Right. Because I don't want you coming on my island. And also, I've never had anyone help me. Why would I just regurgitate my day? What would be the point of that? Because I'm used to doing it alone. <laughs> yeah. So that would be, no, I'm going to actually share about it. And was there a part that was hard? And at first, this is going to feel so dumb and <laughs> weird. So, so true. How many you know what people I mean? would be like, oh, here we go. Yeah, like I have Let's to list talk up. talk about my day. Exactly. That sounds super exciting. Exactly. What's the benefit? Because we've got not not experienced the benefit uh, of, of intimacy. That shared intimacy. Yeah. Mm. So that would be. Such a simple thing, but. Huge. Ironically, a stretch and vulnerable. It's a stretch and vulnerable. And then after that, okay, I'm going to go for a run by myself now. Please don't come on this run with me. No, you don't have to say that. But my point is you go that back to be, the island. That might be though. Is it like, could be. Hey, especially I think if our partner or the person we're working on it with can also participate in like knowing what you're doing, like the That's active right. thing. That's right. Because then, you know, if my partner's strategy is not to share as much That's although right. i laugh because kyle will be like oh how was that and i'm like it was cool like i don't yeah right there we yeah. go and she'll be like it was cool right that's what i get because <laughs> right. you know i'll go do something yes. and she's with jasper and she's yes. like i'm sitting over here breastfeeding yes. with some excitement but no new yeah right know. and she's like and you leave me with this is cool right and i'm like shit okay i'll come up with some more descriptors right what do you want to know you know right. but i think of if if I made a different behavior that mm -hmm. was demonstrably different, yeah. that my partner would say, I really noticed. That's right. And oh my God, I even get emotional thinking about how validating that is for people to hear to like, mm -hmm. I really noticed, like you go to your edge. Mm -hmm. And that's so, so powerful. It is so uh, powerful to be seen. Mm. I think one of in the things courage, we're all too. really wanting, yeah, to be seen in our courage, to be seen fully, because what, you know, somebody saying that is seeing, I see that that was really scary mm -hmm. and really hard and you did it. And I see mm -hmm. that. 
And yeah, it makes me emotional too. That's so to be seen that fully and like people knowing what our heart is because all of our hearts are different, but somebody knowing like, I know that's your heart and you step towards your heart for me, for you and for me and for us and our family. Yeah. I think that's why relationships can be such a powerful motivator to do that because we're like, I don't want to go to this edge, but I actually know if I don't, I might lose them. That's right. That's what makes us quit addictions. That's what right? Is like, I might lose what is maybe, you know, because I think there's times in our lives, this is true for me, that I didn't know how to receive the love that was being offered to me. And mm-hmm. so I actually just pushed it away That's or left right. it or sabotaged it. That's right. You know, and and then when you learn that like, oh, I'm actually like throwing away the good things and actually okay. stepping towards choices that are destructive or painful or hurting people, hurting me. And now you're like, wow, we're in this space where, we don't have to do that anymore. Yeah. Man, it's amazing how powerful healing containers and relationships that have that space that call us to our edge, like don't let us stay in mediocrity That's or right. in our pattern. That's right. Because man, for an avoidant, I don't think there's a lot of compassion for that leap, for how big. No. The like, I usually leave, close the door, That's right. shut down, get in my car, hang up the phone. Mm-hmm. I call them back. I say I'm going to be back in 24 hours. I say I'm going to be back in four hours. I'm going to be back in one hour. Just give me a minute. Like, There's nothing braver to me in in life than choosing to say, I'm going to go towards the thing that was so scary, it was worse than dying. Because I really believe that with trauma, it's it's worse. It's it's what hell is. So someone who's avoidant, think about like the, the root of this is, think of a child who they can't regulate themselves. They're just wanting to belong and to feel seen and known and loved and understood. And so think of a small child who puts their hands up to be picked up. That's what kids do when they want the connection. And imagine a child who that was not met. Mm. It's so painful to To think about. It was met, yeah, and it wasn't met again and again. And what does that kid eventually do? They eventually stop reaching. Because for the people that were supposed to love us the most in the whole world are only people. And when we reach and they're not there, there's nothing more painful for the child than that. And so what we learn to do is stop reaching. So if, this is for people who are avoidant, and and I think it's important for everybody to understand what's actually going on there. So when somebody says, I'm going to reach again, it's touching on that three-year-old who said, but Reaching again might mean the scariest thing I'll ever experience in my life, but I'm going to bravely do it. And that's what I mean by that being so profound and so brave. Because because the only way to actually have someone reach back is to do that brave reaching out. You have to be the reaching out. You have to reach out. And and so we begin to do that in tolerable ways. By the way, there's some anxious people listening, anxiously attached people, who you might be avoiding in your purpose. So, uh, like because, in other areas yeah, of your life. Yeah, because we can be yeah. attached differently into not just people, but money, our business, your purpose. And so, if you're noticing, oh, I just put that away, I keep thinking, oh, one day I'll do that thing. That's avoidancy. And so, think about that. Like, yeah, what's scary That's about the reach out? That the nervous system has coded, let's say, reaching for your dreams, which, holy shit, I never thought about that in the context of the nervous system. Yes. Because if society taught us, when you reach for your dream, you don't get it, go become an accountant. No offense if yeah. you're an accountant, uh, but maybe your dream was to become one. It's like 
we're being taught that to reach for the thing is to maybe not have belonging, which well, is the exact same thing. It's the same thing. And the it's a deep soul desire because belonging is a soul desire. It's a, it's a human's desire. And purpose is a soul desire. So that's really freaking scary to think, well, I have this soul desire inside. And the idea that to be me reach out and it not be met, and that means I have to go the rest of my life with this soul desire haunting me that I can never have, that's too painful. I'm not going to reach out. Yeah. So we just don't do it. Our nervous system avoids it. And so part of our work is to begin saying, showing our system it can be different. And this is possible. And we have to show our nervous system that. Because if we don't show our nervous system through all the things we've talked about today, it will always win. If it has to choose between our safety and our survival right, or our deepest desires in the full life we want, it will always choose right. survival. Goodbye. 10 out of 10. Goodbye, desires. Yeah, it's like, you want desires, I want you to live. Sorry, you'll another lifetime you'll get to have desires. This one we're living. And huh. I don't so, think we recognize the significance of that on so many, yeah. you know, like I look at how media and government weaponize collectivism. Oh, completely. Right? Like a, it, it's not anyone's fault for that that they fall for that because what's happening is their nervous system is being triggered to uh, maintain belonging oh, over sovereignty and self-expression. Absolutely. And the in turn, we have not evolved much past hunting and gathering. So what would have happened if you were taken out of the tribe and the community is you would have died. Right. To say, oh, I don't like this c tribe, government, um, community, world. That is literally your nervous system is responding by saying, we're going to die if you do that. And which is why so many people then don't speak up or take action around something they might not agree upon because their system is saying the alternative is to die. Yeah. Their nervous system is saying this on a cellular level. See, this is... I know in the UK, there's been a lot of pushback on the nudge tactics they mm -hmm. used because they were so dark. Yes. So abusive, such violations of ethics. Yes. But I would argue every country essentially that I'm exposed to violated giant ethical lines. Yes. And used the nervous system against people. Oh, completely. Well, if you think of all That's news. That's what propaganda is. News was yeah. not always this way. But all news now is, act. I mean, I know I'm kind of a broken record. Everything comes back to the nervous system. But what news is doing. But it does. It does. Yeah. <laughs> so what news is doing is it's bringing people into a, a state of dysregulation in their nervous system. So it's actually, it's it's trying to get us dysregulated. And then it has an agenda once I, so if I talk about, you know, I mean, let's, let's take one subject, like global war. warming. Yeah, that's a big, that is real. And that's a big problem. But I have never heard on the news and I'm a real advocate for all of that, but I've not heard on the news once people talking about what are the amazing things people are doing in the world to combat this? What are people, are there shifts happening? Are there, are there organizations that are making changes? You don't hear any of that. Instead, it's scary, scary, scary. Yes. Yeah. It's bad. You're going to die. And this is in every area. Humanity is going to be over. They've said that for so long. Yeah. They also said that we were going to freeze totally. 30 years ago. You know, it's not that I don't believe in it because mm -hmm. I do believe in it. Yeah. My problem is that it's following the exact same psychological exactly. and um, nervous system triggering language. That's so right. now I don't even, 
it's so I'm so overtly exposed to it yeah. that I don't even listen. I've disassociated oh, from yeah. the bullshit. Absolutely. So now good information I'm bypassing yeah. because I don't trust any information. Right. right. Well, and the, the I think that something that's important for everybody to know too is you cannot, this is a nervous system saying, well, I don't know. I guess it's my saying. You can't solve the problem from the state of the problem that you got into the problem in the first place. I know that sounds like a riddle, but essentially what it means is if you're dysregulated, which got you into the problem, you cannot solve it from there. From dysregulation. You can't solve it from dysregulation. So you can't solve that in a relationship. You can't solve, if, right. if somebody has in burnout. The resolution and to all to, of it is regulation. You're trying mm. to solve burnout or mm. overworking from dysregulation, you will not. You're going to find a solution that is actually survival focused, which is probably going to just create more mobilization and something that's not helping. This, that's what the news is doing. So it's creating dysregulation. And then it's asking us to solve the problem from dysregulation. And that does not work. It does control people. Yeah, right. I'm curious when you think about, we talk about the working with parts, people healing, whether it's anxious or avoidant, healing mm -hmm. their nervous system, but just in general, us healing it. Can you talk about how the profound impact that that can have on a system? Yeah. Like I think about when a family or a couple their relationship is started and maybe mostly yeah. occurring in dysregulation. Yes. That one of them starts to step towards healing. And maybe the other person says, I'm interested too. If they say they're not, that that's a bit of a challenge. Mm -hmm. But yeah, can you speak to how one system can actually unconsciously? Yeah. Is that a real? That's it's real. It's a real that's thing. That's full real. It's full real. It takes one. It all it takes is one. And I think the best thing that we can do for the entire world is to heal and regulate our own nervous system because a regulated nervous system is contagious. It regulates other nervous systems via something called mirror neurons. So I work with a lot of parents. They a lot of time are like, I don't want to spend the money because I'm a parent. I have these kids. And I say, and this is just what science says, there is no better investment you can make in your life for your child. If you want to put them first, regulate your nervous system. It's the best thing that you could possibly give them. Forget about the whatever school fund for their college or whatever you're not. Don't forget about it. But that is so <laughs> secondary. Yeah. What is most important? Your regulated nervous system, because a baby cannot regulate themselves. And a child, if I have lots of folks that say, can you work with my kid or whatever? And I don't work with kids. But what I say is I can work with you because you will affect your child's nervous system. If we have a child who is acting out, having behavioral issues, what is the root of that? What's happening with the parent? Because when our when the parents are, and of course there's other, there's not to say there aren't other factors, but when we have regulated parents, they are the compass that the child's nervous system looks to, to gain regulation, to experience safety, to learn how to have a regulated nervous system. So it actually shapes the child's nervous system in a regulated way. Hmm. And now we've created a family system of nervous systems that have strong what's called vagal tone. That means you can go out into the world and experience stress in life and challenges, and your nervous system automatically knows how to come back into regulation. So it's the best gift we can start in our homes to give our children. Then, you know, this work should be in every school system, every hospital system, every government system, because all of those systems are run on regulation, dysregulation. And in a school system, 
And I wish every teacher had this because their nervous system is affecting the children. And we have children in school systems who are experiencing abuse, neglect, lots of hard things. Even a child whose parents are going through divorce and the parents are dysregulated. Right. Even loving parents who are anxious all the time. Guess what you're going to have? An anxious kid who's dysregulated. So then you can't learn in school and because your prefrontal cortex isn't working. So then the kids can't process information. So if the foundation of every school system with every teacher was nervous system regulation, we are setting children up to not only have regulation in their system, but have healthy relationships, be able to have health in their physical body because we develop chronic illness when we're dysregulated. So physical health, emotional health, uh, relational health, we can step into our purpose. Like it would really change the world. Every, every system. So, and then we look at what occurs. These children grow up dysregulated with survival responses. And then they start corporations. Nothing wrong with (laughs) starting a corporation, but what are the, what is the corporation now rooted around in a nervous system level in order to, to receive love or achieve? That's the founder's uh, nervous system. You have to mobilize. So do, 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 do. So now everything is about, there's a lion chasing me. And if we don't do this fast enough, we're not going to be okay. And we have to get this all done. And so the whole company and everyone organized around it has to organize around that leader's nervous system. Now we're creating thousands of people with dysregulation in their <laughs> nervous system and their families. But one leader can yep. move down to the management. That's right. Which that education can be brought into workplaces. Oh, every right? workplace should have this. If a, I agree. If a, if a owner of a business wants to have a thriving business, really thriving, this Invest. work needs to be in, invested in. Because when you do this and the people that work with you are regulated, we actually can optimize and and get things done faster from regulation. Whereas creativity and flow come from and like channeling of ideas, regulation. So if you want right. new ideas, innovation, yeah. regulation is the answer. Psychological safety, regulation. Completely. Right. Now I am free to take creative risks. Now I can do all kinds of different things and the company will actually thrive because a company kind of like has its own nervous system that's based on whomever is running it, which is then becomes a trickle down effect. So this Powerful. work should be it's in, all the same. It's all the same. And it's it's all it, human systems. It's all human systems. Yeah. I mean, we got to do a whole episode on that. Yeah, because we should do an episode I, on that. the next one we do, I want to ask you about that. Uh, um, raising a nervous system mm. like yeah, that's important with a child yeah which, that's so important. i mean kai's like a nervous system yes. jedi i feel like i'm with the zen master she is. she's just like um especially as a mother it's so beautiful to watch oh it's amazing it's actually like she's just so good i sent her a message the other day because uh as someone who every time i see a parent and i work with a lot of moms but every time i see a parent who's giving their child the thing that i never got it always just moves me to tears. Like this little boy is going to have such an amazing life because of what he's being given right now by the two of you. Oh yeah. And and every child like that changes the trajectory of your whole life. Right. It's just like, it's such a profound thing. And, and for any parents who are like, but I have a 13 year old, I didn't know this. It's never too late. Right. It's never too late. Especially because so much of the education that was, told to us about raising children or sleep training, things like that. It's so off. So off. And it's not to shame what people did because they're doing the best they can. That's right. They're trusting, quote unquote, trusting the experts. Exactly. They would never lie to us and they still for sure would never (laughs) do that now. Yeah. Yeah. When you come back, let's talk about that. Yeah. And I want to talk about um, corporate and that space. 
Sarah, I just love having you on. I love having conversations with you. Thanks again for coming back. And thank you. Where can people find all this stuff mm. and more of you? Yeah. Thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, you can course. find me on Instagram at Sarah B Coaching or SarahBaldonCoaching.com. Awesome. We'll link that all in the show notes. Thanks again, Sarah. Yeah. Thanks, Mark. Thanks.